think all of those kind of core tenets of what it means to show up as a company, those were the questions we were asking. So how we show up, what will we do in advertising? What will we do in the product? What will we do like if over and over and over again, you see that Z. And I think it felt really clear that like every time you saw that Z, you would remember the war and you would remember that we didn't do something about it. And that just became, those were the questions that, that really started just becoming answers. Welcome to the Brand Master Podcast, show specialized in helping branding professionals and entrepreneurs to build brands using strategy, psychology, and creative thinking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Master Podcast. And I'm delighted to have on the show with me today, Michael Jeter from Zapier, creative director. And he's been involved in a very interesting rebrand in recent times. And that's why I wanted to bring him on the show today to kind of dig into the strategy behind that, the questions that were asked, the challenges that came up, and what it was really like in the boardroom during that time. Michael, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. Hey, Stephen. Excited to be here. Thank you. Um, now, Michael, uh, I, I'm sure most of our, our viewers know who, who Zapier is. Um, you know, you've got... Uh, a really important role over there, and and that that role uh, came into more significant importance in in recent times. Why don't you give uh, give us a little bit of an overview as to uh, your journey to to where you are now and and your current role with Xavier? Yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll do the quick cliff notes. Um, I think early on in my career, I moved to San Francisco to go to grad school before for the tech boom. Before any of that was kind of a thing, uh, to become a designer. Started a design studio um, that was solely focused on social issues. Um, my whole thesis in grad school was around like, can we actually make money in a, in a studio and a business that's around good? Um, <laughs> and so all my clients were nonprofits or cities that would do a lot of disaster preparedness kind of uh, uh, like campaigns and stuff for the city of San Francisco or the city of New York. Um, or worked on social issues around you know identity or homelessness, stuff like that. Um, fast forward through that studio that lasted about eight, nine years um, and did a, a, a small stint um, with a fellow named Baratunde Thurston, who had just recently left The Onion, uh, if you're aware of that, this yep. satirical kind of news yep. um, uh, paper. And we started kind of a comedy design studio for a year to try that out. Um, that was super fun and interesting. Um, and then he got a job to run the Daily Show, the, the marketing side of the Daily Show when Trevor Noah took on. And so that studio um, kind of dissolved because of his amazing opportunities. <laughs> and I was looking at life at the time. Um, all of my clients become, you know, the big tech companies, Google, Facebook, Pinterest, on and on and on, because that's where the work was in San Francisco. Um, and I kind of was getting frustrated um, because they would come with pretty thin briefs. Um, they just need a quick, you know, kind of thing to be done. Um, and, you know, while it was fun to do that work, you kind of hand it off. At the end of the day, you just felt like you were kind of not really making big impact or big change for different things. And so I started getting curious um, as design started growing as a, as a, in a, in quality in-house like right back in the day like being an in-house designer was a, like a, a bad thing right oh, like i, I know i remember <laughs> <laughs> it was like where creative went to die and people were very sad uh, and the only happy moments is when they went to like a conference each year um <laughs> and that kind of changed in tech as as these companies started realizing that you know design product designs but that was really important to the business 
So um started asking around and being, you know, wondering what was kind of available and interesting and and who was doing kind of cool stuff in a way that I could kind of um you know help. And Dropbox uh was looking for someone to run their illustration team and help with their uh rebrands, now infamous rebrand. Um and so I joined Dropbox. Um I was there for four and a half years. Over the time, um, was creative director, running advertising, kind of anything. I, I say anything with a story and a pixel. Um, I was kind of running, um, and with some great uh, counterparts. Jessica Svensson uh, was the design director. Aaron Robs was the creative director for a while. He's over at Ramp now. Um, an incredible human and creative, um, and uh, you know many many other folks there that I, I kind of call that my like PhD in design. Um, and I think relevant to this podcast and you. The thing that really changed the, the trajectory of my career, and I think is important to the to the Zapier story. Uh, it, it's Zapier, not Zapier. That's the, the fun branding moment I, of, a, I, of a thing. I know. <laughs> I, I, it's 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 like when I grew up calling calling Nike Nike, and then I I, I was uh-huh. like I had this transition, and but yeah, Zapier. Of course, there's Zaps. The <laughs> it's the it's a forever joke, and we'll we'll you know um, we could talk about that later too, but. But yeah, I, I think uh, I was introduced to brand strategy at Dropbox um, first with our first brand strategist, Patrick Rowell. And then over time, uh, Anna Sternoff, who's the head of strategy there, who was the head of strategy at Collins um, and actually worked on the rebrand um, with, for Dropbox and then came over. And then another guy named Etienne Ma, who was a uh, strategist at Goodby for a long time and came over. And I just fell in love with working with them. Nice. Um, it's really like how to dial in the ideas, how to like bridge kind of business problems with creative potential became something that I was really obsessed with. And so I just probably clinged onto them way too tight and uh, learned everything from strategy that I could. And as we were building that brand, uh, for better and for worse, for all of its twists and turns, like really understanding how they thought about things and simplifying Mm. things down to its core um, was my my obsession. So I I realized that I made a total mistake as a career and I should have been a strategist, but I didn't know that existed until now. So, well, that, I mean, your 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 story—it's uh, super familiar to 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 me. Probably not in terms of the the experience that you have had within your creative, uh, uh, you know, experience in your your creative career, but certainly the creative to strategy pathway. And it's the same for a lot of our listeners. A lot of them are pure breed designers. And, you know, it, it's it's a case of that question comes up uh, and then it comes up again and then it comes up again and again. And one question leads to another question. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got all of these questions that that bring you back to to why you're doing what you're doing and, and how you can do it better. And all those questions are essentially the strategy. Um, so it's great to hear that that you've gone on that journey and you've kind of experienced that through these big brands and and obviously you know the the benefit of being able to work with such great strategists as you know dipping your toe in the water you know what a what a great education um you know to to go through there no wonder you no wonder you fell in love with it as a as a pure breed <laughs> designer yourself how do you see the the linking of the two and you know what was it about that link that kind of opened up your appetite to strategy yeah i think you know c- coming up um as a designer there was kind of two big schools um 
starting up and it was kind of like the IDO school of thought that like sticky note, like deep kind of like living strategy, um, design thinking was a brand new term and you mm -hmm. kind of had like pentagram, right? That was kind of like, there was a lot more going on, but those were kind of the big moments in design. And so thinking strategically was important, right? Like we, we were smart, designers were smart people solving uh, really hard problems. But I think maybe just because I was young or, you know, maybe it wasn't quite there yet um, for a lot of companies. But as you started a brief, you you always started with a pretty solid strategy, right? The, the brief was clear, mm -hmm. but I always kind of call it, it's like breaking bad, you know, like you keep making a series of decisions that lead to other decisions. And then all of a sudden, you know, six months or three months or whatever the deadline is, you have something that's very, very different that you, when, that you wanted to do or should have done or solve the right problem because a series of pieces of feedback or other people would come in and, you know, so you, all of a sudden you're Walter White. Um, you got Frank. You, you got a Frankenstein <laughs> project. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that happens a lot, or happened a lot. Um, so I think that that's that's really what it is for me is kind of like making that foundation really, really strong, so that when mm. you build the house, it's not over like in the woods somewhere where you know like you're just like oh there's a shack over here that you're actually building the house that solves the problem or 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 built or built on sand. Exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and so, I, and I think that's to me, a weird thing about me as a designer is that I was actually pre-med, uh, in college. I was, I was kind of on a science track, both my parents, my dad's a chemist and my mom is a veterinarian. Um, okay. and so I grew up with the scientific process kind of being everything like it was just grilled into me. Um, and I love it, right? It's just so pure around mm. how to get to truth. Yeah. And so I think that, that that kind of connectivity between strategy and and what I love about the scientific process kind of connected, right? So mm. I think that's exactly what we're talking about, the sand, the sand or or yep. always just testing, right? Is, is this on sand? Is this on solid foundation? And I found internally at companies... Um, there's this this study I forget who did it that I always like to talk about, but it's it's I probably say it too many times. But um, there was a study they did in a waiting room, and they had an actor and a real person going to the doctor there, and they would do a ding right, and when they dinged, this the actor would stand up, and then the other person, not saying anything, the other person would stand up too because they thought that they were supposed to right, and they would ding, sit down, ding on and on and on. Long story short. 15 people in there. None of them are actors anymore. They keep dinging. All 15 people never told to stand up. They stand up every time they ding because they just kind of do what they were told or not even told, right? Just what they think socially is correct. Mm -hmm. And companies are like that a lot of times where like information transfers around. It may not be true. And so you have these weird kind of pieces of knowledge that mm -hmm. are completely false or built off of kind of false understandings. Um and so that's that's the other part I love about strategy was it, it it you know it really helped to be like no what is true and why mm -hmm. and if it's complex it's usually not true right like if you can find the simple answer I found a lot of times that's where the truth was found and it's, it's really hard to get to a simple answer yeah and, and question and, it was a roundabout yeah, in a way no ab absolutely and like you've could you've touched on a, a few things there that um that that really speak to me but one thing that i drill home time and again is that branding at the end of the day is is about simplicity and those who are able to uh, define a, a strategy well for their client they are able to take complex ideas and situations and make them seem so simple that it it, it looks like it, it took two seconds to get there 
but you know really mm -hmm. the the journey to that destination is a long journey it takes a lot of effort to strip back things so it's so it's so simple that it's under uh, easy to understand and and that's where i believe you know our role is as as strategists it's to really peel back those layers as much as you possibly can so that whoever is on the receiving end of the message goes well duh that's easy i get it it's simple the more complex it is mm -hmm. The, the the more complex the message is, the harder to understand it is, the less you've stripped back those layers. So, uh, you know, it's it absolutely speaks to me. And, to, and what you said about the scientific process as well, there's so much that we can take from science and psychology in branding, because at the end of the day, we're connecting a business with a person. And, you know, if you understand people, then you're going to be well-armed to, to, to do that job. I, I want to get to the 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 Zapier story, um, but before we get there, why don't you tell us a little bit about about what you learned through the Dropbox rebrand and and you know a, a, a ten thousand foot view of that story? Yeah, yeah. So let's see. There's this. It's it's a long and interesting story. So um, what's a good way in? I, I think. For the first rebrand, the, the kind of infamous one, the one that that blew up the just design Twitter um, in, in a lot of ways, the the many colors, the 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 kind of wild and crazy kind of way was was really interesting because the strategy was really really solid and really really tight, um, and that's kind of where I learned that connectivity, right? This this our ability to do this kind of really bold and really interesting and really kind of expressive brand, which no one ever sees in tech really was really built on solid strategy. Um, and so again, you know, Anna Sternoff running that stuff when she was at Collins um, and and Patrick Rowell on, on internally, we, from a research perspective, really understood that the the core user or the super user of Dropbox was a creative and marketers, mm -hmm. right? They, they used the most files, the biggest files. They connected with folks. They shared files with people who weren't Dropbox users. Like th these were... Um, the evangelist of the, of the world of Dropbox. The reason Dropbox was successful was because of of that audience, right? And so we were able to kind of really um, connect that strategy to to the work and make something that showed uh, our audience that we saw them, right? And and kind of built something around creativity and for creatives that was really interesting. That was also strategically built to invite others to to feel like they were part of a creative process. Because you know when you're creating files, when you're making something, you're either writing something, you're doing something, whatever it is, it's content, right? That you're kind of storing to some degree, and so you're making something. So that connection was really wonderful. Um, I think what I learned in the rebrand there though that kind of connects is that companies and the people inside of companies change a lot right mm -hmm. we have the classic like cmo last maybe two years uh at on average right and a new cmo has a completely new idea mm -hmm. um, new leadership has new ideas and where the business can go um and one of the things that didn't work for me at least as i was kind of building work over time with the brand was that change right as different kind of needs changed uh, we pulled away from the creative audience a little bit because we had, you know, different business kind of growth objectives and the brand wasn't able to really mold into all those places. It, it mm -hmm. became kind of watered down because it wasn't set up for success to be kind of modular in that way. It didn't have that solid foundation. It it had a solid foundation. It just, the foundation kept moving. 
And I think that that's a really important part that we're learning about tech companies that I think classic strategy didn't quite have. A lot of companies set their foundation and go. Tech companies are, have to, you know, technology is mm. always changing. Things are always changing. Like, you know, this AI stuff that's coming out tomorrow, we're going to be making entire movies in AI. Like, that's insane. We couldn't have guessed that even two months ago. So it just is always kind of changing. And so when I came to Zapier, realizing that, again, it's the, at the fore, it's going to change the way we build companies and the way we use the internet. Like this no code thing is, is my 12 year old son can build Twitter on bubble.io now, right? Like that's insane. <laughs> um, and that's just changing and changing and changing every day. Right. So I, that, I think that's the kind of connect through line connective tissue there is like, how do we, how do you build a brand and a strategy and a visual identity system that knows that change is inevitable, um, mm -hmm. that can still have that simple consistency that, that is, um, understandable, ownable, identifiable. Um, and so we went through a, a refresh at Dropbox, um, that kind of simplified the viz in a lot of ways. Um, and it just put the Dropbox logo inside of a blue box in the center of everything because the strategy was really around like, no matter what the company is, what you do with files, Dropbox is at the core of like how you kind of manage and share those, those folders and files. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that new kind of identity, uh, it can shift and move to, to kind of whatever Dropbox needs to be, whatever products it builds on and on. And so, um, that was a big change for me and how I thought about brand identity, um, to make it something that's living and breathing a lot more than than kind of like really putting a a line in the sand, if that makes sense. Yeah, look, it, it's super interesting because you touched on a couple of things there that uh, you know that a lot of brands and and strategists are going to have to deal with more and more, and that's shifting sands. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, I believe at the core when you identify a. a a market that you want to go after and, and specifically a target market segment, um, you know, when you're anchored into that segment, it, it gives you that solid foundation to allow the, the sands to shift because you're, you're focused on exactly who the audience is. Of course, the, the, you know, the more segments that, that are attracted to your brand, the more you're then going to have to adjust to accommodate those segments. Um, but certainly you know the the changing of the tide so rapidly these days is something that that strategists are just going to have to deal with and and to you know to keep their finger on the pulse a lot more so so it's not just a set and forget for 10 years kind of thing you know you you need to kind of uh keep on top of what's happening within your market and and what your your target market segments want to make those decisions you know ongoing in, in terms of the 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 zapier story because obviously the 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 dropbox uh project was was you know kind of an organic one that 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 you came to zapier was more reactive because of the the market conditions can for for those who don't know the story can you give us uh you know just an overview of of the the you know the the series of events that led to the to the zapier rebrand uh so that we can understand the context yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, when I was chatting with, with the Zapier leaders, um, it was clear that they, and this is a classic kind of tech story, right? Like you build a product, there's great product market fit. Um, and a lot of times founders just think that brand is kind of voodoo, right? Or marketing is voodoo. They just think that, you know, hey, look, the product, I'm we're already doing well. Like people found the product, they're using it. Um, and we have a lot of success. 
And like every other company who starts a, you know, um, you know, create something new that doesn't exist before, Dropbox similarly, uh, all of a sudden a bunch of other companies kind of crop up and start doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so you start to wonder, well, what's what's happening in our business? Why why is our growth slowing? Um, and founders generally start kind of understanding, like, oh, that's that's what brand is, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Brand brand is really about how folks can understand who we are, why we exist, what we're for, um, and feel connected um, to us. And so the company had made that a number one priority for the year, um, you know, had had the budget, had the backing and all that kind of stuff. And so that's that's when I decided to join the company. I was like, okay, you got you guys are in, right? There was no, there's never been a creative director before. Um, there wasn't a brand studio. There was two brand designers that were that were just trying to triage all of the thousands of requests of, of one-offs to come in and whatnot. <laughs> um, and so the company really just didn't have a brand muscle a- a- at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had just hired um, Cheryl Sue, the VP of design, design. So all of this was coming together to, to one magical moment of the company realizing the power of design um, and brand and having the right people to kind of back it and push it, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in in that kind of the, the main pushes for the rebrand was that that like Zapier is really hard to explain. <laughs> it's a really tricky product, right? Um, it's a platform. It, it's it's a it's a playground where you can do kind of whatever, right? It connects a bunch of stuff. So it's it's at that point it's a Lego box where you mm-hmm. can make a house or a car or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard to describe Legos to people when it's a work tool as well. Like, well, you can you know just make something cool. Um, and so the company was talking about it in, you know, 5,000 different ways. Everyone had a different metaphor and a story and a connection mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and, and also like from a business perspective, the way people had found Zapier was kind of this, this like single problem they had, like shit, like Slack and my Google calendar isn't working together and it's frustrating me. And, 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 and that's, so a, that's exactly, that's exactly how I came across that I needed yeah. to to connect my uh, my checkout and my my affiliate um, group and and my my email all together to talk and that's how I came across Zapier. So so that's obviously how how most yeah, people just, were finding it. You start googling, yeah, yeah. You start googling. You're like, how can I possibly do this? And and Zapier's uh, really really good at. Um, they have this whole entire um, system where they they spin up uh, landing pages for all of those possible connections. For every partner that we have that we have an API, they, there's just like this this backend that kind of makes a web page that shows you how you connect connect those. And so when you Google mm-hmm. it, you actually find it, and you're like, oh, yeah. cool, there. It's this brilliant, you know, early early days like finding that product market fit again was all about that. But long term, the power of Zapier is much much bigger. Um, and it's and its ability to change the way we work and the way our productivity is and the way we kind of connect to our customers is so, so much bigger than just these like what they called the duct tape of the internet for a long time. <laughs> and so they kind of knew as they were growing a, as a company, right? They got to a moment where like the future of Zapier is is pretty big, but no one can kind of see it from our brand. But mm. the cool thing for me was when I was kind of doing research, going on Twitter, looking at people, the, the audience, the users, they knew that. They were talking about that online already. They're like, oh, I did this and I connected this and I can pull together, like you said, your stack, right? Your yep. your, your work stack. Like that's a that's not a term that Zapier ever has used. Um, but the entire internet is that's how they talk about it, right? 
And so there was this really interesting kind of moment where I th- where I was excited. I knew the brand could be the leader of this kind of no-code automation thing. It was set up for success. The people expected that of us already. And we just needed to kind of deliver that and, and kind of hold a mirror up to that excitement that already existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I was like, we can we can actually build something meaningful. Um, and that's when I decided to to kind of join the team and, and kick off that work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, th- there's a crazy story in there, right? There's this, we, we actually re- rebranded, we rebranded and rebranded again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in the first iteration, we worked with Instrument um, in Portland, who I worked with a lot at Dropbox, just a great um, design agency. Um, shout out to Jack DeCalloway and uh, Beta DeCalhoun. Um, and we spent about three or four months with them, I believe, kind of building out the entire the strategy, the viz, everything like that. And then internally from there, kind of expressing it across the the, the company. It took about eight, nine months. Um, and about two weeks before we were gonna launch, code was frozen, everything was done. We were high-fiving, planning vacations. Um, supposed to launch on March 26th, which I remember vividly because my birthday is March 24th. So I was like, happy birthday to me. Let's go do this. It's exciting. <laughs> um, about two weeks in advance. Um the Russian Russia uh, invaded Ukraine, and it started showing up that they were using a Z as the symbol for pro-Putin um, aggression in the war. And our logo was a giant. We called it a chunky Z. It was this big electric cool Z. Um, and this is where strategy really gets interesting. Strategy and values, right? Because we spent so much time understanding our values, uh, where we got to a point where we're like, should we be wor- worried about this, right? Um, and a really interesting conversation amongst Cheryl, myself, Moody, the CMO, um, and, and, and the founders, um, Wade Foster and, and Mike Noop, and, and just kind of like, what does this mean? Um, and it was really a gift in disguise because I got to watch founders understand the power of a graphic symbol, mm. you know, like they had to grapple with it. And, and, and usually founders don't ever have a chance to truly take to heart the power of design mm. you know and so this is kind of this moment where they're like we were supposed we're about to have our first company retreat um after covid like we all get together because we're, we're fully a remote company that zapier's been remote always mm. and uh so we're all excited to get back and 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 way goes what's going to happen when 500 people are wearing giant z's on their chest when they show up in an airport <laughs> Wow. Right. Um, and that just vision in your mind, right? Just goes, that's, yeah. I mean, we, we knew it was wrong in so many ways, but, uh, and we were kind of talking back and forth about what it meant strategically and all that kind of stuff. But that vision was just such a powerful story in everyone's heads. We're like, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work. Well, so we, I, I, uh, yeah, that's, I'm, I mean, just the, the, the weight of such a decision because after such a long project, and with with so much budget put into something for the very first time you know you're you're there to deliver and and you know and then you've got such a, a big heavy decision like that to to throw out what you had done um I, I would imagine a lot of it would have would have needed to be thrown out but the the power of that image of of all those people turning up to the airport with giant Z's on their t-shirts it would have been uh, I mean that that was probably one of one of the deal breakers at that point. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred um, percent. And and it, I think that a testament to to Zapier and in the leadership, the values are strong, right? Which is you have to have strong values to get that core brand. 
but for them to stick to their values around that, you know, that, that like Zapier is, is, is for, it's for good things. It's for building things, right? It's, it's a really kind of progressive company that's, that's wants everyone to be included into the future of kind of success in the world. Um, and for the values to show up amongst throwing away that money, throwing away that time, throwing away the effort and it just, you know, it's just, it's a, it was really a powerful moment, I think, for the company to see that, like, we stand by our values and that we mm. mean something. Um, and so I think more than anything that that will be the success of the rebrand, um, moving forward and internally that like the whole company is galvanized around a really meaningful decision. Well, I mean, I, what I love about that is the fact that in going through the process of building the brand, you then had the tools to make the decision to throw out the brand identity because this, <laughs> the, the, the strategy was so solid and the brand knew who it was that changing your clothes doesn't mean that you're changing inside. And and that's that's what I love about strategy. When a brand knows who it is, then that's your true north. And decision making becomes so much easier. Is that what you guys felt that that you had something now that you had taken the time to develop and you and you were able to make that decision more confidently? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think um, we, we understood where the company needed needed to go and what it needed to stand for really strongly. I think I think it kind of knew the company knew, you know, at the core of who it was. I, I got it built, um, but the strategy for the brand could really give voice to that and really give clarity to that and and, and kind of bring you know a, a real clear understanding. What if we launch for this mm. and people take it? as something else it's really the opposite of what we need to be um but i think also like you know we have people that work in ukraine for us we have people that work in poland we have people that work kind of all over the world mm. um that even at that side too right like it's it, it wasn't just happening to ukraine it was it was happening to zappians um and so there, there's just a, a deep part of that as well that just it, it made it pretty clear yeah, no, it's a, it's great to hear from from the inside. You know what went on, and and you know that decision making process. Now, I I know that you have a, a hard stop um, in in a little while, but I want to squeeze in a, a, a question before I let you go that um, I believe would be super valuable to our listeners, and that would be really around the questions that were asked internally to guide your decisions and uh, you know to 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 make that change what were those questions that 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 came up that made you think you know well you know th th there's this is the right decision because you know th there's no way that that we can follow through on that what were those questions that gave you that clarity yeah i th i think I mean, I think with any process, right? Like, let's just take this down to the to the design process. With any process where you have a problem to solve, um, you, you start to do research, right? Um, and so we're so close to it. You know, the the the, the knee jerk reaction to when we first start seeing the Z being used is like, ah, this that's, is that's fine. Really different. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's a very different Z. No one's gonna connect that Z with our Z. It's gonna. It's be fine. Right? It's fine. <laughs> And we were like, we're we're good, whatever. Um, and what's funny is the same conversation 
happened over and over and over again. So I, I talked to reach out to a lot of friends of mine who who are leaders in the industry. Um, this woman, Dee Dee Gordon, who's kind of she's like the 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 brand strategist to end all brand strategists. She's literally the inspiration for the book, The Tipping Point. Okay. Um, and she has done a lot of brand strategy for 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 us for the uh for the company and we reached out to her and I was like what what do we do you know she's like um let me get back to you you know it's a it's a big question and so she reached out to folks and as she was looking um and talking to folks I reached out to a friend of mine Alejandro Trevetta who's a creative director at at Adobe and um just on and on and on I reached out to Anna Sternoff again um back at Dropbox to just help me help me understand what's going on and the conversation was the same every time. Started out like, that's eh, probably fine, right? And then you start asking these questions. Well, um, we have this this big Z. We were putting people uh, customers' portraits inside the big Z, right? This big kind of electric moment where we're going to show them. Um, how are our customers going to feel about that? Do we have to uh, get permission for them to put this big thing in the Z? What if the Z takes off in a weird way and all of a sudden we've connected a customer with this symbol for Russian oppression or Putin oppression? So it was these kind of things. It was, it was I like any good brand. It always came back down to the customer and the kind of connectivity to that on one side, but then also the the, the workers, right? Because if a, a brand doesn't succeed, if it's not, you know, if it doesn't feel owned, like I was calling an organ rejection, you know, if a company doesn't feel mm -hmm. like it represents who they are. Um, and so it was kind of both sides of those questions, right? And so each person I asked like, okay, well that, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably weird. That's probably not a good thing. You know, then you had the swag thing with like wearing the big Z on the other side. So it kept on bouncing back and forward of like meaning for folks. Um, and it just got clearly to a point where like everyone was like, you could possibly launch this and it would work. But why? <laughs> At what point? Like to, to what end, right? Like, like what's, why are you taking the risk to do this? Mm. And so the kind of risk became so clearly not worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and also like, it just felt wrong to, mm -hmm. to, to even just launch it and it be successful to know that we kind of just like, half-assed it into an expression of a brand where the world was changing felt like it went against everything we believed as designers mm -hmm. right like we believe that design makes a difference that visual culture is a part of the change of culture that symbols matter mm -hmm. um and so to say all of a sudden that a symbol doesn't matter it kind of felt like heresy in a way as a designer right um and so i think all of those kind of core tenets of what it means to show up as a company those were the questions we were asking. So how mm. we show up, what will we do in advertising? What will we do in the product? What will we do? Like if over and over, go over again, you see that Z. And I think it felt really clear that like every time you saw that Z, you would remember the war and you would remember that we didn't do something about it, <laughs> you know? And that just became, those were the questions that, that really started just becoming answers. Yeah. And, and, Look, for the most part, you know, especially in the design world, uh, you know, we play around with images and graphics. And for the most part, you know, the, we, we don't attribute the real importance to it. Of course, you know, you're representing a business and, you know, uh, there's there's an entrepreneur behind the business and, and their hopes and dreams are wrapped up in that business. But it, it rarely goes beyond that into uh into this world where you know you could have the these associations uh, attached to to your brand that 
you know, that are linked to to these atrocities and, you know, having to ask those those bigger questions. And, and as I said, it's, it just does go to show the power of associations because that's what we're trying to do as brand mm-hmm. builders. We're trying to create associations in the mind of the consumer to paint an image and a perception about what our brand means. And if, you know, at the core of that, there's this big Z that is associated to this big thing going on in the world, this big, big negative thing, then, you know, as, as you said, it's why take that risk? And, you know, it, it seems that now you, you guys have come out the other side and, you know, now it, it must seem like a bit of a no-brainer at this stage. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what you said really resonates. I, I, I like to tell folks that that, that on my team um, that once you understand or that everyone you're working with understands that you're dealing with a really irrational, emotional animal called a human, mm-hmm. um, branding starts to become quite rational. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you're trying to express and tell people why brand matters. Um, people don't quite get it, mm-hmm. but that's because we're trying to affect emotion, like you said, and that connectivity. And so you could do all the research in the world and no one could ever tell you why they have a negative association with the brand because they never really could realize that the Z just made them feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like that's a point at, by which you could understand how someone would interact with this symbol, especially as it could grow, I, I think it's died down a lot now, um, but it could have grown to be to be something quite powerful. And so, I think you're 100 right. It, it's just like why remind them of something mm. negative whatsoever, especially when the brand itself like is all about new possibilities. Yeah, it's all about kind of building something that's never existed before for the good of kind of you know work and people and the things that they're doing and their ideas. And so, it was just it was. I, I think that that again, like you were saying. It was an awful thing to go through. And again, to, to say specifically, right, like this, we're talking about a war where people are dying yes. in the design side. So I just want to, you know, sometimes you forget, I gloss by it in the story that like, obviously very small potatoes in this, in this world. Um, and so there's a much bigger thing kind of going on, but it was really from a, from a branding perspective, you always kind of pressure test your brand, right? You go through this process where you're building things, you're designing the viz, you're pressure testing, you're researching, you're seeing, does it work? Does it work? Does it work? But it, you're, it's rare that you get like that much pressure in your mm. test, right? Yeah, and absolutely. that you really see where a foundation and strategy kind of exists. Um, and again, you know, when we had to re- rebrand, I had to come up with a viz in three weeks, right? I had to come, throw everything away, like you said, and come up with it. The strategy was solid and, and and sound, but the only reason we were able to do that was because I think we saw it was pressure made diamonds in that moment. Mm. We really saw what it was, um, and that this ultimately it's a platform for possibilities and that needs to be what the brand entire brand's about right we need to kind of reduce the entire system down to being just about supporting what's possible and Mm. that's why we kind of reduced it down to that orange platform that kind of anything can exist above um and that was just this magical moment where i was like this is either so simple it's awful um, or it's so simple, it's brilliant. And those are those moments that you, I, at least for me, you have rare, rare moments in your career where it's either so great or so terrible, depending us obviously on the, on the eye of the holder as well. But, um, it was a really magical moment to, to find that. Well, it, it's exactly what we said before about simplicity. You know, it, it's, it's, it's so hard to get to that level of simplicity that when you get there, it's like, whoa, the, it looks so simple that we could have created this in two seconds. 
but that's the <laughs> beauty of simplicity it it takes a long time to strip back the, those layers but it look it, it's been an absolutely brilliant chat to really to really understand because we talk a lot about brand we talk a lot about uh you know the importance of your values and and you know your your purpose why we're here your you know who your audience is and you know i drill that again and again and again but you can see that when that foundation is solid and you have these crisis moments come up in your brand or you have these big decisions that need to be made if you have a compass that works and you have your true north those decisions become so much easier. So it, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear from your side of things behind the scenes, what went on during that rebrand. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to uh, to to join us on the show today. If anybody wants to to reach out to you and and if they have any specific questions about uh, about uh, Zapier and and you know uh, more about the strategy that you you came up with and where you guys are going, what's the best place that they can uh, they can reach you on? Um, yeah, it's a good question. People seem to find uh, me, me either way through LinkedIn or, or elsewhere. But um, my my Twitter is at um, highly doctored, and that's probably an easy way to to, to get to me um, to kind of chat about these things. Beautiful. Well, Michael, as I said once again, thank you so much for sharing that that story with us, and uh, I, uh, I I'm sure I'll see you in the tweets. It was such a pleasure, Stephen. And thank you for having me again. It was, uh, I would love to have more of these conversations with you in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. Right. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more brand strategy techniques to level up your skills, make sure you check out brandmasteracademy.com. There's plenty of free resources and premium content for you to download and get you going. If you'd like to join our Facebook group full of like-minded brand strategists, all learning from each other, then find us by searching for the Brand Strategy Community, where you can find exclusive content for members as well. If you enjoyed this content, please be sure to give us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listened, and make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Brand Master Podcast.